Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. get started. All right, welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by becoming obedient unto death, by going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, And becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet earth. For all who believe in the one and only Son of God. Amen? Amen. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here. And use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to, to live, think, act, serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Each part of His body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, amen, not our own power, to accomplish His will for our lives. And if you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't interrupt tonight's service. And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord. Even our own, Lord, as we all fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, Lord, as the ultimate teacher and comforter and confronter, Lord, in your word, as the owner's manual to our lives, something we can live by, Lord. And let us grow and not just be hearers of the word, but become doers of the word, Lord, by living lives worthy of the call. Help us all to become humble, Lord, and teachable, like clay in your hands. So you can build us up, Lord, like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. So we can become like him, Lord, and serve this lost and dying world, Lord, and show them that we really belong to you, Lord, and no longer the devil. And thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for saving us and doing for us we can never do for ourselves, Lord. I thank you for the church you've given us, Lord. Let us always be accountable and responsible to it, Lord, for you give it to it for your glory, Lord. Let us glorify you tonight, Lord, and worship you, Lord. And as always, let everything I say and do be led by your spirit and not my flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. By the way, happy birthday, Brittany. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Ah, you thought I forgot, huh? <laughs> We're on page 13. <laughs> and that's not your age. <laughs> Sometimes. 
depends on the day. <laughs> tonight, okay? Certainly is good to see everybody, as always. Every time a chance to come to church, I'm at the door. Right? We'll be continuing our study on spiritual warfare. Just to let you remind you that the Holy Spirit will be taking over now as I read the scriptures to please be attentive to that and not to cause any distraction that might cause us to lose the spirit, as the devil is always trying to get us to lose our train of thought while we're studying the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. 
Let us go to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to start there tonight. Genesis chapter 50, we're going to go to verse uh, 19. We're going to start there. We're going to stay right where we are. How's that? <laughs> Although that could change at any given time as the Spirit leads us in different kinds of directions. Amen? So. <laughs> but no, we'll start there because the, the context is right where it starts. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Why would they be afraid of him? They know what happened, right? They sold Joseph into slavery because they were jealous of him. Because he said someday that he was going to rule over them. They got jealous. That was a revelation God gave him and him alone. Not to brag about it. He decided to brag about it. His brothers got upset about it and, threw him and, and wanted to kill him. Jealousy is evil. It's from the devil. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I a God that I can punish you? It's a great scripture here. You intended to harm me. Let's give it a minute here. We'll get started. Okay, we are in the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 19. If you want to get your Bible there. All right, stay focused. Really good to see everybody tonight. Amen. Glad I'm here. Amen. My family. We'll go back to verse 19. We'll start over. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I a God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So, what, what, what can we glean from that right now? It said, you intended it for harm, but God intended it all for good. Amen. There's a lot of things that happen in our lives that people try to harm us. But God can turn it around for good, the Bible tells us. Amen. The devil's always trying to seek, kill, and destroy us. But God can turn it around for good. Once we understand the principles of the Bible and understand his ways, Joseph understood that that could not have happened unless God allowed it to happen. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, and a maturing Christian, you should understand that whatever happens in your life, God allows it to happen for a purpose and a reason. It is to grow you up and mature you and turn you and help you to grow in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So whatever it might be, it could be adversity, it could be blessing. He knows each and every one of us by name and individually. Amen? Amen. So I just want you to understand that as we get started with our study that God knows us very well, okay? He loves us unconditionally. He's not going to kick us out of his family because we're not 
on, on the mock all the time. He honors faithfulness, not perfection. Amen? He says, just be faithful to me and understand that this is, I put this into your life for a reason. Nothing the devil can do. We, can, we, we give way too much glory to the devil and way much power to him. He's a defeated foe. As a believer, he is defeated. Amen? You have to understand that. We'll be talking about that a little bit more tonight. That was a great scripture to glean off. Joseph knew. Imagine, they tried to kill him. They were going to kill him. They sold him into slavery, but he knew it was God's plan for him. And if that did not happen, he could not have saved them from the famine. Amen? He saved all his people from there. So we have to understand that. Now I got a scripture for us too. Colossians 3. Colossians 3 verse 12. If you remember, Jesus told the apostles, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Look at verse 12. Everybody there? Good. Since God chose you, each and every one that believes in Him, to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All of us fall short in all them areas, don't we? Look what it says. We, we find it hard to be tender-hearted. We find it hard to show mercy. We find it hard to be kind. We find it really hard to get humble. And then we find it real hard to be gentle and patient. Now we have to understand that all those things are the fruits of the Spirit. And our flesh cannot do that. We can be, we can be like that when somebody's being nice to us. But when the unbelieving world is attacking us, God calls us to be tender-hearted, have kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And look at verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Can I get a big amen for that? That's what the whole Bible's all about. Above all, his above everything else, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. What kind of love is he talking about? The kind of love that produces Tender-hearted mercy, right? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All the fruits of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 love, right? You know that you're having unconditional love. God loves me unconditionally. He wants me to love you unconditionally. The unbelieving world unconditionally. And how am I going to portray that if I'm bitter and resentful and angry? Amen? And if my heart is bitter, obviously when our hearts are bitter, we're not coming to church with an open, joyful heart. We're still bitter, unforgiving, unloving, even in church. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. He tells us to put that aside and put yourself close. How do you know? You know it as well as I do. When your heart is open, you want to do everything you can for the Lord, right? You want to give to the Lord everything you can. The best of your time. The best of your talent. 
the best of your treasure, right? The first fruits of everything you have. Why does God? Because want, He wants us to put Him first in the front. He knows if you put Him first with your money, with your time, and your talent, that He knows that you put Him in front. He's on top. Amen? That reminds us that He, he comes first. Amen? As we always know, ministries always suffer financially for a reason because people don't put God first. They put themselves first and say, look, if you bring it to me first, I will fill the storehouses. The Bible says, come and test me. You can't outgive God. Unfortunately, people don't trust Him in that area enough where they'll say, yeah, here's everything I have, Lord. Remember the girl, she gave one penny, that's all she had. And everybody was giving some of their money to the Lord, but she gave everything she had to the Lord. Because he's the only one that could take care of her, because it all belongs to him anyway, amen? amen? So we have a giving heart. A giving heart will show by what you give. A loving heart. If you were a taker, you become a giver. Whatever you have is the Lord's, and you want to help his family with it, amen? And build his church. Just imagine trying to build a house with no money. What are you going to do? Like the scraps in the woods? What are you, what are you, how are you going to build a house? The, the roof's going to leak. Nothing's going to be solid, right? God wants the best, right? Even when Solomon built his temple, right? What did he do? Solomon built a house twice as big as God's. And eventually, it took his heart away from God, amen? His money... His women, everything that he said not to do, Solomon did. And that's just a warning for us. If we put money before God, that will become a problem and that will become our God. Amen? Amen. But if we give generously, then we know that God will give his spirit and love generously to you. Amen? It's a heart of love and kindness that we're talking about. All right, now look what it says in verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. What's ruling? Take over your heart. The peace that comes from Christ. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace. And what's the next thing? Always be thankful. That's a big one, right? How many of us really are ungrateful? This nation, the people of this nation are very spoiled, ungrateful, and unthankful. And unfortunately, if you're not connected to a body and in church regularly, unfortunately believers become unthankful and ungrateful and full of what? Bickering and complaining. Amen? When you bicker and complain as a Christian, that's like telling God he doesn't know what he's doing in your life. You're not saying God's in control. I'm just going to be thankful in all things because I know I'm going to come out better if I just handle things His way, amen, instead of my way. But that takes time to turn our trust over to Him, doesn't it? All of us are a work in progress, and you can relax because God knows each and every one of our hearts, and He loves us unconditionally, and we're all a work in progress, amen? We're here to build each other up, not tear each other down, but you cannot fix what's not broken, amen? So we have to understand there's problems in our life that have to get corrected. So that's what the Bible is. It's very corrective in its nature, so we can have the nature of God instead of the nature of the flesh. Very simple. Look what it says about verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. 
Filling your life with the richness of Christ is what? Everything from the Word of God. And be involved in ministry and the Word. Everything is revolved around ministry. Look what it says. Fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And here it is. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen? Amen. What he says here, remember he says, look at verse 17. That's a high call, isn't it? It says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. What does that mean? That means... God has to be circulating in your mind all the time. So everything that comes out of your mouth is for his glory, not yours. Amen? And that's a process. Can we all say we're there? No, but that's a goal, isn't it? This ministry has a goal. That is to grow spiritually and what? Eventually kill off our flesh and live by the Spirit's power. Amen? You can't live a godly life in the flesh. That's why the law doesn't work. The Lord just shows us what's wrong with us. It doesn't give us the power to fix it. Amen? It just shows us what's law. The only thing that gives us the power to fix it is God's grace and mercy. That's a begins afresh every morning. Amen? And His whole through His Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right. Now let's get into our study of spiritual warfare. As believers in Christ, okay, listen up now. This is going to be very important. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Who is our enemy? Satan, okay? The devil is a liar. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden, Satan has waged war on humans, okay? His agenda is to kill and destroy us, to lie to us, and to ruin our relationship with God, John 10.10. For that reason, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.8. Can I get an amen for this? However, there is no need to fear. For the more we seek God's presence and study his word, the more revelation we receive that the devil is in fact a liar in a defeated foe through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Okay. This knowledge can enable us to lead a life full of spiritual victory and joy in the fulfillment of God's promises. Admittedly, the topic of Satan and spiritual warfare is one that some Christians find challenging and even difficult to consider. Okay? However, one must consider the truth. By choosing to ignore that the devil exists and that his sole aim is to ruin us, we set ourselves up to fall victim to his ploys, in particular to his use of lies that makes us doubt God and his promises over us. Amen? Like it says in Hosea 4.6, it states, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So where's the battlefield? The mind is the battlefield. When the devil is mentioned, some people conjure in their minds a comical red-skinned horned individual holding a pitchfork in his hand, okay? Akin to the customs we are accustomed to seeking at Halloween. 
Others insist that he's a living, fleshed-out demon and that there are some that believe that Satan doesn't even exist at all. Such musings originate in our mind and the devil further uses our mental space as his battlefield to wage war against us. One of his favorite tactics is to tell us lies and to speak them so convincingly we hold them for the truth. 2 Corinthians 10.3 confirms this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Amen? Amen. Now the devil is a liar. Now how does he lie to us? One of Satan's strategies is to present us with the worst case scenario of our future in order to arouse fear in us. He can take advantage of our vulnerabilities and circumstances and even use people to make us worry instill hopelessness and rob us of joy. Satan even goes so far as try to convince us that he's not real. The loveliest trick of the devil is to persuade you that he doesn't exist. However, by far the worst lie of the devil is his effort to convince us to believe him over God. And that our father is no match for him. So how do we know that the devil is a liar? The Bible is a God-breathed, infallible source of truth. Encouragement and teaching for us as believers in Christ. In John 8.44, the Word of God states specifically that the devil is not only a liar, but the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies, if the Bible calls the devil a liar, then it must be true. Amen? We also need to consider that Satan is not beyond using half-truths or twisting God's truth to suit his purposes. He did this in the Garden of Eden when he convinced Eve to eat fruit from the tree of life in Genesis 3, 1-5. Alternatively, God is the antithesis of the devil in all ways including the fact that he cannot lie. For it is not in his nature to do so, like it says in Numbers 23:19, God is not human, that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Okay. In addition to Satan's deception towards even the Garden of Eden, the Bible reveals other instances of the devil telling lies to God's children through people or circumstances. In 1 Kings 19, just don't go there for the sake of time. Let me just go through this with you. Elijah the prophet fled in response to a death threat he received from Queen Jezebel of Samaria. Remember that account? Having killed 850 of her idol prophets in the previous chapter, Elijah was more than a match for this evil queen, and yet he believed she would kill him. In Matthew 4, 1-11, Satan tried to tempt Jesus into disobeying God and avoiding the cross by twisting God's word. Can I get an amen for this? Okay. So, how do we defeat the devil's lies? Contrary to what he might like us to believe, the devil is a defeated foe. First, we have to understand that. Amen? 
Since the battle with him takes place on a spiritual plane, according to Ephesians 6, 12 to 13, we need to strengthen the battlefield, our minds, in order to stand our ground spiritually and to gain victory over him. Can I get a big amen for that? Yeah. It's spiritual warfare. So how do we do that? We partner up with God. We need to partner with God by studying his word, spending time with him in prayer and worship, and choosing to trust and rely on him when circumstances and people appear to be against us. Through God and with God, we can trample down the lies of the enemy, like it says in Psalm 108.13. Resist the devil. Here's the second one. Not only is Satan a liar, but he is also afraid of you. Yes, you. When you resist him and call upon the name of Jesus, the devil must flee. James 4, 7 proves this. Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? Amen. <laughs> the devil is defeated. Look, why do we live defeated lives when we understand that the devil is defeated through the power of Jesus Christ? Amen? How many times did the devil get in and tempt us and win? Because what is it? We just don't believe it. You know why? Because we don't feel it. We don't feel victorious. But the victorious is not a feeling. The Bible is a what? It's a fact, not an emotion. The devil plays with our minds and our thought process. You're a failure. You don't believe in Jesus. Look what you just said. Look at the way you acted today. Look what you just did. No, that's not what makes me a believer in Jesus Christ. God did not save us by the things that we do. He saved us by what we believe. Amen? It says, if you believe in the Son of God, thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? Saved from all the powers of hell and the powers of our flesh. Amen. Delivered from it. Amen. And He delivers us every day from the power of the devil and the power of the world and also the power of this flesh. We have to understand we're fighting three enemies. The devil, the world, and the flesh. But we have three things to help fight that. It's called the Trinity. We have God above us, watching over us. The Holy Spirit that lives inside us. And Jesus who walks alongside of us and is our advocate. So we have three things to help us fight that. Amen? But it has nothing to do with me. It's the Trinity, not me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can I get a big amen for that? And we need all three so we can get victorious. Okay. You have been getting authority over the devil. How do I know that? One of the biggest lies that the devil wants you to believe is that you are at his, mer at his mercy. However, let's go to Psalm verse 8. Let's, let's prove that it's not. Is everybody with me so far tonight? Hey, boy, right. He wants nothing more for you to get distracted and not believe what I'm telling you. We got a we got an enemy. And people don't understand how the devil operates. That's why. If you don't know how the devil operates, then you don't know how to fight back. 
and he operates in our thought process. And whenever you sold out to the devil, any sinful thing that you've done as a believer, the devil knows what it is, and he's going to come tempt you for the rest of your life. And that's just the way it is. You have to make peace with that. Can I get an amen? That's why God hates sin. Sin doesn't hurt God. It hurts his kids. Because once you sin, you open the door to who? The devil to come in and tempt you. So if you don't sin, then he can't come in. And as believers, when we continue to sin, we continue to let the power of evil into our lives to take over. Okay, look at verse, um, Psalm 8, verse 3. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Or Hebrew, what, what is man that you should think of him? The son of man that you should care for him. Yet, here it is right here, you made them only a little lower than God, or yet you made them only a little lower than the angels. Or Hebrew, it reads, you made them a little lower than Elohim. And crowned them with glory and honor, you gave them charge of everything you made. You see it? You gave them charge of everything you made. He put us in charge down here. Putting all things under their authority. Whose authority? Us human beings. Right? The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. Oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. God has given us authority over the earth, which is the devil's realm. You have authority over the devil. Now we have to learn how to use it. The Bible is clear. Either you believe it or you don't. Don't give the devil unnecessary attention. The devil is a liar. As believers, our main focus should be on God and not the enemy. Although we need to engage in spiritual warfare with him, don't give Satan too much attention, which he craves. Also, not everything bad that happens in your life is a result of the devil's machinery. We are all flawed and thus capable of causing ourselves strife and harm through our own devices. Therefore, don't give the devil credit for a bad decision or a mistake that you're responsible for. As Christians, it is true that we didn't ask to be part of a spiritual war, which is true. By extension, gain a spiritual nemesis called Satan. However, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we are more than conquerors over the lies and other strategies of the devil. With this knowledge, we need not fear the devil. He should fear us. Amen. How about that? Are you strong enough in your faith life to stand strong against the devil through the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you're never going to be able to do it. It's the word of God that gives us the strength. Amen? Amen. The power is in the words of God. Amen. If you do not read your Bible, you will not be able to equip yourself to fight off the devil and his lies. Amen? Amen. So every Christian, especially in this ministry, is required to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, not as a, a legalistic tact, but for your own good. Because I love you, and that's what the truth is. The truth is through the word of God to defeat the lies of the devil. Can I get a big amen for that? 
Amen. We getting this? All right, I can tell. All right, we got into the seven weapons last week. We're going to continue. I know it was a little meaty last week, and I went through a lot of it. So I suggest that you go back into the study from last week to get a better grasp on it. I'll re reiterate on it a little bit, but we're going to move on. Okay, the seven weapons of spiritual warfare. Okay, Ephesians tell us truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. All right, to gain some insight into these things, we went through some of these already. And last week we went into the Word. Remember the, the Word of God. And I was talking about how Christians get tripped up in what? The wrong messages and tripped up by the devil through what? The grace message and the legalistic message. Where they miss the, and they end up worshiping the devil on both sides. Because the, it's God, you, can't, you have no strength when you're living in sin. And God's grace is not for us to continue in sin, but the power to come out of it. And there's no power in rules. You could, you could obey this, you could read the speed limit 55, but there's no power in that sign to keep you at 55. Yeah. It just shows you that's what the speed limit is. Matter of fact, when you look at it, you say, oh, why can't I go 60? <laughs> right? The sign comes up, like I said before, wet paint. Oh, is it really wet? And boom, the next thing you do, you're touching it. Now, if the sign wasn't there, you wouldn't even think of touching that wet thing. So the law gives sin its power, the Bible tells us. It, it sparks curiosity in us. So following out with things does not give us the power not to do it. It just shows us that it's wrong. That's what the commandments were designed to do. We can't fulfill the commandments. That's why we need a Savior. The commandments were certainly put that we, we, to show us what we were like that we couldn't keep them. So if you try to keep all the commandments fail at one point, the Bible says you're guilty of them all. So thank God for his grace and mercy. Amen? All right. So just to talk, we're getting to the sword of the Spirit here. All right. When we fill ourselves, okay, and immerse ourselves in the word of God, from the Bible, then we are arming the Holy Spirit who can use the word when we are attacked by the devil. Okay? In effect, by studying God's words, we are arming, feeding, or fueling the Holy Spirit who fights on our behalf to overcome the devil when he attacks. Not if, when. One of the best examples of the power of the sword of the Spirit being the word of God is when Jesus was tempted after fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. Amen? We read the account. When we use the scripture to fight our battles and, and or the principles of the word in all our situations, then we absolutely know it is the Holy Spirit working, not us. So we use the word of God inwardly when the devil attacks our mind and outwardly when the devil is controlling people, places, and things using the principles of the Bible as a way of life to build his kingdom here and stop advancement of Satan. Amen? That's how, how do we, how do we fight, how do we stop the advancing of the Satan? By using the principles of the Bible when we're not, not inwardly but outwardly. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be kind to each other. Tender hearted. No more eye for an eye. Love your enemy. That's how you want. Destroy the works of the devil and start building his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we went there. I want us to go to John chapter 8 now. 
Remember I told you to read that chapter, right? Yep. yep. So I'm going to go over this one more time and then we're going to move on. About the grace and the legalism. It's how important it is to get the right message. And how the devil knows how to twist scripture just enough to appeal to our flesh to bite on it. Okay. The devil uses God's grace today and legalism to twist the scriptures and ruin believers' testimonies by convincing them that God's grace covers the consequences of sin here and uses legalism to make us think we can lose our salvation by what we wear or what we say or what we do. So we can keep on sinning with no fear of God or the consequences like the Pharisees who did outward things. They didn't know God and thought Jesus was the devil. Like Jesus said in John 8.31, right? Verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we have to remain faithful to the teachings of the word of God. We already know that, or we're going to fall ploy to the devil. And the Pharisees said, but we are descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? They didn't even know they were slaves. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now why, why who, what do you mean a slave to sin? You'd never know how powerful your sin nature is until you say no to it. When you, when you say, yeah, I'm not going to do that sin, what's how powerful it comes back and says, it wants you to do it. You don't know how powerful sin is until you not stop doing it. When you don't have a problem, say, well, I don't have a problem with sin, you just continue in it. But when you try to stop, then you see how powerful sin really is. When somebody says something to offend you, and the Bible says, keep your mouth shut and pray for them. And, the, and you see how your skin crawls when you want to revile back and say something. That's how you know how powerful your sin nature is. You just won't come out and say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you for telling me that insult of word. That was so gracious of you. Thank you. No. You know what you want to do, right? And then the Bible's telling you to keep your mouth shut. You might, right? Come over here. And... That's how powerful sin is. It does... Our pride wants us to what? Get our point across. Say, no, no, no. You're not. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. No. Don't let anybody make you a doormat. Jesus became a doormat. Because he put the will, he put his, 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 himself in the hands of the Father. God let that person come at you. Why? Because he wants to transform you into his son to keep your mouth shut when that comes. That's training. What do Christians do? They revile back and fail. But that's what the Pharisees did. They thought they knew God. They thought Jesus was the devil. You're talking about the religious leaders, the priests, who said that they knew God. They called Jesus the son of the devil. That's where religion takes Christians. It makes them twice the children of hell. Because they think the outward things, then they, they judge everybody else outwardly, what they're doing, and says, oh, you can't be saved. Look what you're doing. All the while, they're not looking in with what they're doing. They're doing the very same things and worse. He called them whitewashed tombs. Castle on the outside to be so church-faced out, coming to church, but full of what? Dead men's bones and full of poison. Okay.
We got the principle, right? Go to John chapter 3. We're going to move on here now. I talked enough about this. Everybody with me so far? Some good principles here. All right. First John chapter 3. Yeah, go to First John. First John. First John. We'll start in verse um, 4. That's how dangerous the wrong message could be. Paul, um, Peter even warned people about Paul's message. I'm going to read that. Look in verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know, well, you should know anyway, right? It says you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. Lamb of God that come to take away the sins of the world, right? And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him, which is by the word of God. Listen, this is what the Bible says. Now, listen to what I'm telling you. It says, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Anybody who continues to live by the principles of the Bible will not sin. This will keep, the Bible will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Bible. Very simple principle. Can I get an amen for that? And, but anyone who keeps on sinning, now this is not to condemn you, it's to make you understand that you don't know him. Anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. It does not say that does not have him. You have him by believing in him. But you have to get to know him to overcome the power of sin that still controls us. Can I get an amen for this? It says, now you evaluate your life. So anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So if I want to overcome sin, what do I have to do? I have to get to know him and get an understanding of who he is and what he done for me. Amen? And the only way that's going to happen is through reading, the, through renewing your mind through the words of God. That's it. That's the only way. Okay? Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when, we, when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, didn't he? Well, he came to destroy the works of the devil in you too. That's why he came. Now look what it says. Those who have been born into God's family, which is everybody here, aren't we all born into his family? What does it say? Anyone? Who, who, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life, because his seed is in them, or his seed is in them. This is what it's saying. Now listen, let me just explain this. Don't get this twisted now. It says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. doesn't say become sinless. All of us fall short, but we no longer continue to live in a sinful state before we got saved. 
Can I get an amen for this? It's a difference. Does not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life or his seed is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is in us and it keeps convicting us to stop. That little ping inside of you shows that the Spirit's in you. No, this is not right. That's that little inner voice inside of us. Now, like I said, it's not that we're sinless. We just don't practice sinning. We're trying to practice righteousness now by doing the right thing. Can I get an amen for this? Now, we know we're failing because we're not perfect, and God knows that too. But it's the direction we're going in that counts. We are trying to overcome that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? That's what our sanctification is all about. So that's why the grace message ruins that. The grace message tells you, don't worry about it. Your sins are paid for, past, present, and future. Just keep doing it. So then you're practicing sinfulness. That can't help you. Then the legalist side of it comes up and says, oh no, you can't dance like that. You can't dress like that. You can't talk like that. You can't look like that. And that's like, that's just as bad. Because none of that makes us better. Just by with the way you look, the Pharisees did that, lived religiously like that, and they thought Jesus was the devil. So either way, that takes us away from God and helps us stay peace with the devil again. Both messages. So what's, what's the right message? Right in between both of them. God's righteousness comes in us, so we try to say no to sin and live God's way so we can bring others into the kingdom. We live by the words of God, not by the flesh anymore. But now somebody who wants to keep sinning is going to love that message. Oh, yeah. All this in heaven, too. And then somebody that's so perfection, you notice people that all their socks are in the drawer perfectly. And the doors are locked, and and those people love the legalistic message. Oh, look at all I do, and I can do all that outward thing, but inside their heads full of lust and deception. You see, it's inward. The outward stuff doesn't change the inward stuff, and the grace message definitely doesn't change you. It keeps you living that way. So that's why both of them are wrong. Can I get an amen for this? So the whole counsel of God is Genesis to Revelation. God's grace clearly tells us it's the power to overcome sin. Amen? It says where sin abounded, grace much more abounded for us to come out of it. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Can I get an amen for this? Is it becoming clearer, my friends? We're not, we're not, we need God's grace. We can't do it without it. But we're not using it to say, oh, yeah. I can't wait to go do that dirty deed because God's grace covers it. No, Paul said in Romans 7, the sins that I hate, I do. He didn't say the sins that I love, I do. It was a transformation that took place. He was now fighting against the sins that he used to love. Now he hated them, but he still continued in because it's in his body and his makeup because of the sin of Adam. All right, we getting this? I have to make it clear to you to understand the message is the cross. Sin brings us to his son. So we start to see his son more than we see his sin by continuing in the words of God and becoming like him. Become more and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image, 
through the renewing of the mind of the Word of God. Not by any outward principle or by any, um, <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> they could, you give a person rain to do whatever they want. These sinful people, and they will do... <laughs> give, give a sinful person the green light to sin, and they are going to sin worse than they did before. Oh, yeah. And that's what happens with the grace message. They come into the church sinning, and say, that's all right. Oh, wow, I thought that was a sin before. Now I can keep doing that one too. Oh. It makes you twice the children of hell. Both messages do. We're not about either one of them. We're about the truth. Amen. Right? The truth that sets us free. Amen. Now it says, look at verse 8. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Can a believer still belong to the devil? Absolutely. If you keep sinning, you what? Break fellowship with the Lord and you start fellowshipping with who? Belial. Satan. But you can't lose that relationship with him. Relationship and fellowship are two different things. The relationship is locked in. The fellowship is broken because of sin. Okay. Now, look what it says. Who was sinning ever since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So those who have been born into God's kingdom do not make a practice of sinning because God's life or his seed is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell... Who watch, and now I can tell if I'm a child of God or a child of the devil. I'll bring it back to me. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers, the Bible says it clear, does not belong to God. The Bible tells us to be watchful and to guard our hearts against the iniquity of sin. Evil can enter only enter us only when we allow it to live in our hearts like a vampire who must be let into your house, right? The first step to engage in this grand spiritual warfare is recognizing it exists and to genuinely examine our heart. Go to Romans Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The good news. Everybody likes good news, right? How about some good news? You want to hear some good news tonight? I'm going to tell you some right now. Some real good news. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Now, how does God make us right? This is accomplished from start to finish by everything I say and do. Oh, wait a minute, is that a typo? Oh, that's not in there, is it? It says, this is accomplished from start to finish by what? By faith. This is what it is. All you have to do is have faith that what the Bible says is true, and what you have is true, you will what? Be able to overcome it. The scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Look, sin brings forth death. Right? Living right brings forth what? Life and peace. That's what it says. Look, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The righteous will live by faith. And that is quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Now let's go to um, 
Second Peter chapter 3 now. We'll get to finish here. And we'll get into prayer next week. The last one. Maybe. I make no guarantees here. Look at verse on um, Second Peter chapter three, verse eleven. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, right now we're waiting for all this to happen, aren't we? Okay, look what it says. Make every effort to be found living what? Peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. You see it? While we're waiting for him to come back, we should be found living a peaceful life that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. Just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will lead to their what? Destruction. So this Bible can either give you life or destroy you. If you twist the scriptures, let the devil twist them. That's what Peter was saying about Paul's message. See, Paul's message about grace was getting twisted to make people think that they can just live a life unholy and, and I, don't have to, I don't have to live right because I'm saved already. And they twisted the scripture to their own destruction. That's why he warned them about that grace message. It's so dangerous and damaging. Then it says, rather, <laughs> beside, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. All right, look, we're going to stop there because it is 6 o'clock, okay? We're going to have to do something a little bit different. Somebody's going to come up and close first, and then we are going to sing a song, okay? So who wants to come up and close? David, you want to come up and close us? Alright, we bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another great message tonight, Lord. I want to just say, you know, thank you, thank you for having me come here tonight, Lord, and actually hear this message because every opportunity that was thrown at me today to not come here tonight was thrown at me. So I'm very grateful for this. And I want also the opportunity to <laughs> we pray on everyone's behalf tonight that where we're taught tonight be applied to our hearts be applied to our lives yes, Lord. so that not only can we grow spiritually but we can be beacons of light towards everyone else in the world yes, so Lord. they can see Christ in us and to convict them to bring them back into the word because the world needs this more than ever right now and so I pray these things in your soul's most precious name Amen
Amen. All right. Thank you.